It's Design Behind the Mask with your host, Carl Waldron. This is a show about design in your favorite fandoms. First, we discuss a fancy design thing. Then I give you two fun recommendations based on our topic. You come for the voice, you leave with a choice. Sound good? Let's start the show. Hello, my fans of fandom. It's Design Behind the Mask. I'm your host, Carl Waldron, and today we are talking about the lost art of video game manuals. If you've played, not, no, if you've purchased or were given or just had around any old games from, let's say, Super Nintendo to PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, we'll say, is the the kind of cutoff, I would say. But video game manuals were an amazing art in and of itself. Um, They came with everything. Uh, I have a memory of playing, not playing, of watching my friend and his sister play The Legend of Zelda on Nintendo. And... They had, you know, the manual came with, it was, I believe it was a gold manual and it was just chock full of information, character, uh, character illustrations, top to bottom. And they, they being my friend, his sister and their parents, they all played Zelda together and they took graph paper and they mapped out all of Zelda, all of the Legend of Zelda on graph paper created the dungeons with pencil, marked where the items were, ended up taping other pieces of paper so that they can continue the map, and they ended up folding this makeshift map up and sticking it in the manual. And it was such a beautiful, unique piece of art that they created that they then stuffed into another piece of art. Those manuals, used to come with their own maps, cloth maps, paper maps, stuff that you can see the the world that you would be exploring in this, you know, either isometric or pixelated game or whatever, these beautifully drawn uh, maps or, or, or character descriptions. One of my favorite manuals was the Final Fantasy VII manual, one of my favorite games of all time. Thick, thick manual. And here's a, here's a, as um, Freddie Prince would say from his wrestling podcast, here's a side quest. I'm going to, I'm not going to steal it, but I'm just going to use that right now. Here's a side quest. When Final Fantasy VII came out, I was in, I'm going to say eighth grade, maybe seventh grade, eighth grade. It was, I think it was eighth grade. Can't be sure. I, I, I believe I was going to take the, the SAT. So I think it was eighth grade. But it came out in Japan and it was nowhere to be found in, you know, near me. I had a buddy. His name was Londell. Shout out Londell. He had a hookup somewhere. Don't know where. He told me, he's like, yeah, I bought Final Fantasy VII. I said, what? Can you get another one? He said, of course. He said, give me the money. I'll go get it and I'll bring it to you on Friday. This was like on a Wednesday or something. 
this was before Cash App. This was before Venmo. This was before any of us had a, a working cell phone, honestly. I mean, I think I had a cell phone, but he didn't. So I had no way to get in touch with him other than school. And my little naive ass handed over, no joke, $80 to this guy. I mean, granted, I knew him, but still, you just hand $80 to just some dude who says, yeah, I got Final Fan. I can get you Final Fantasy VII with no proof. This is trust. This is trust in a friend and naivete meeting at an intersection and making sweet love together. I brought, because the game, I believe the game was, uh, it wasn't the regular $49.99. I believe it was 60 something dollars because it was an import. And obviously I said, you know, is it English? He said, yes, it's the English version. Stupid little me handed over all this money that I had been saving up. And Friday comes and Londell, shout out Londell, came to school, dropped his bag on the desk, on my desk, cracks it open, pulls out a brown paper bag, looks around, hands it to me, zips up his bag, walks away. I take the bag, I put it inside of my book bag because again, we're not supposed to have games or toys or anything in school. I put the bag in my bag and I open it up and oh, there it was, Final Fantasy VII. What a beautiful sight. Uh, I got home that night, you know, went through the motions, eating dinner. My mother was watching the news, so I didn't have the TV. Once my mother retired to the bedroom to go, you know, whatever, watch more news. That's all my mother ever did was watch the news. She went to the bedroom, watched news. I cracked open that plastic and this, I don't believe this was the first time I did it, but it was certainly a ritual of mine. I would stop myself from playing the game. I would read the manual first. Now, I don't know if I was like weirdly, like a little kid just edging myself, if that's a term you know. I was like, I was refusing to play the game until I read the manual as if like to build anticipation for the game. But as I was reading the Final Fantasy VII manual, I was enjoying myself. <laughs> I was like, this is a good manual. It was full color. It had full bios for all the characters. So I got to know the characters before I even saw them in the game. Uh, it had a breakdown of the systems in the game and the controls, the actual story, what Midgar looked like, all this crazy stuff. I'm, I know I'm forgetting a, a ton, but it was a great manual. And it only enhanced the experience. To this day, Final Fantasy VII is maybe number two on my favorite games of all time. And I, I think number one is Final Fantasy Tactics. We can get into that in another episode. But there was a precedent with video game manuals. They, they were supposed to be like these really thick companion pieces to the game. Before the internet was a thing and you can kind of look up guides and... and control schemes and, and strategies and all this stuff online. Video game manuals were kind of your only shot to get, you know, good. That or like calling Nintendo Power for tips or I don't know. I mean, the internet was around. I'm not saying it wasn't. Game facts was a thing. But 
the manual was your first stop to understanding the game and developers knew this so they added all this extra stuff they put a lot of time and love into these manuals uh, I have a set behind me that I was going to write an article about but now I'm just going to do this part I mean I'm still going to write the article but uh, I'm just going to do the episode about it over the years I guess the advent of the internet kind of taking off with video games and then the cost of production which can be high when you're designing these you know millions and millions of books or printing I should say printing these millions and millions of books they started cutting back on I would assume unnecessary cost unnecessary expenditures which would be printing 50 page manuals for video games and then it got to the point where they didn't print them at all smash cut to now and if you purchase a playstation 5 or xbox game doesn't i would say maybe one percent or less comes with an actual manual they have i think they have the obligatory like here are the controls and this is how you turn on your tv <laughs> But they long gone are the elaborate branded books that used to come with them. And I think back to games like Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, which had or any of the Grand Theft Autos, Grand Theft Auto 3, San Andreas, uh, Grand Theft Auto 4, um, what was the Vice City? They they were all thick manuals and they they were themed to the world of GTA. And I, they're still, to this day, some of the best manuals created for video games because they had breakdowns of the city that you were gonna play in. You got to learn local locations. So they, they told you, here's where you can get ammunition because GTA is a, a horror show. Here's where you can go to a strip club or here's where you can find a certain NPC all within the manual within the context of like a travel guide for the for the city so Vice City was supposed to be Miami so it's all you know saturated in pastel neon colors and talking about the the strip and and, and uh, kind of where to rent a boat or you know all this crazy stuff and then obviously not obviously then they had the obligatory what's the word i'm looking for they had a map <laughs> forget the word i was looking for they had a giant flipping map of whatever city you were in and it was well thought out it was it was basically just a reproduction of the map that's actually in the game but you can if you were so inclined tape it to your wall and then mark out places you wanted to go if that's the type of person you are but i would assume a lot of gamers like myself just used it as like swag we got free swag got a, a, a friggin map of the whole game i never did anything with it because again i don't i didn't have a place to hang stuff in my uh, in my old apartment and now that i'm older i wouldn't hang a map of a video game on my wall unless it was like framed or drawn really well or 
I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm almost walking back my... Would I put a map of a video game city up on my wall? I think I'd put a map of, like, Breath of the Wild. But not a GTA map. Anyway. We were given free swag with these, these games. Just crazy thick manuals with these... I, I remember the Smash Brothers manual had illustrations of the moves. Like, it had the actual button combinations and next to it there was like a an illustration of what it would look like after you executed the move that's amazing so that the um, the amount of art assets you had to create just for that because it wasn't a sprite from within the game it was a illustration of mario doing an uppercut or something the the detail that went into something like that is astounding and it's a shame that it's gone and i don't know if it will ever come back some games do put out larger manuals that are more involved games like the witcher kind of have to because that game is confusing on consoles but you know in the age of digital games and you know trying to cut back cost to just get the game to people it doesn't seem like we'll ever get back to that golden age of elaborate, beautifully designed, wonderfully typed out manuals that you can save. No, I think that I think those days are gone, and that's a shame because they they were they were they weren't the best part of gaming, but they were definitely a a one up, a prize, right? As as I got older. I, I ran out of space. You can't really keep video games just in their boxes everywhere. The same way I stopped collecting comics, which I'm starting again. I, I couldn't collect physical video games anymore. It was just taking up way too much space. I, To this day, I still have video games sitting in my mother's house. On a shelf, the same place I had them when I was younger. It's been over 12 years since I left the house. 13 years. The, why, why do I still have games there? But just be, they, they take up so much space, all these cases. So, that being said, I ended up buying one of those CD sleeve cases and just breaking down all of my video game cases. So I just took all the games out, put them in these sleeves, and like it was a sad time just cracking these open and figuring out which manuals I wanted to keep and which covers, which video game covers I wanted to keep. I, I systematically went through and say which one of these has the best art and I'm going to keep them and do something with them. I don't know what, but I'm going to keep them. Someone took the time to draw this out and then someone else took the time to design this cover or this manual. And I'm going to honor that. The plastic, yes, someone else created the plastic, but I can't do anything with it. It's taking up too much space, but I can do something with the art. So I now have a stack of manuals and cover art just kind of not floating around, but they're just in a case somewhere waiting for me to decide what to do with them. So if anyone has a suggestion of what I should do with all these old game covers and manuals, you let me know. I'm open to all suggestions. Maybe make a quilt out of them. Can't make a quilt out of them. Maybe plaster my son's room with them. It might terrify him in the middle of the night. I don't know. I, I'm open to ideas. I'm not going to... I mean, I, at, at the least I can do is scrapbook it, but 
There's no, where's the fun in that? Um, all right. We're on the backside of the podcast, y'all. And uh, I'm going to be honest. I don't particularly have a recommendation for this one in terms of fandom. But the working recommendation was to go through your old games and pick out your favorite manuals and preserve them. Uh, whether that be scanning the interiors of the manuals and finding your best page and, and posting that somewhere or just having them, you know, just if you're a collector of games and you have them, you know, of course, leave them in the case and c- continue to own the case and appreciate what what's in there. But if you're like me and you couldn't justify keeping them or uh, you didn't have a place for them, or you didn't have room, preserve those pieces of gaming history. Uh, I don't know if there are files out there saved up on some hard drive somewhere, but I would love a file of like the old Zelda manual or one of the GTAs. GTA is probably easier to, to get. The old Zelda manual is probably trapped in Nintendo's warehouse somewhere, like the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, but yeah, if I can find like a digital asset of some some of those old school manuals, that'd be great. Uh, so yeah, that's the fandom recommendation. Uh, for design, it's kind of a... Actually, it's a lazy one, so I'm not even going to say it. It's also a lazy, expensive one. Yeah, I'm going to skip the design recommendation. Yeah, yeah, go... Go preserve some manuals, and if you want, this is more homework than anything. Take a game that doesn't have a well-designed manual and redesign it and post it. There's a portfolio piece for you, either established designers or uh, upcoming designers. We'll do the same. We'll pick a game that, you know, we've purchased and didn't have a manual and should have, and we'll design one. Uh, that's it. Those are the recommendations. Uh, some homework and (laughs) they're basically homework. (laughs) You can't do anything with them, but, uh, you can certainly appreciate them. That's all for this episode of design behind the mask. Thank you for spending your precious little time with me. I appreciate you and I will see you. No, I will talk to you. I'm not going to see you. I'm going to talk to you next time.